You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And I we are mixing it up for you guys again. You know how we like to bring you new and fresh content. So in between recording episodes of the different series, streaming series and stuff we're working on for you guys, I want to kind of try to bring you something that kind of provides me with an escape, allows me to um, kind of get away from the crazy, so to speak. Um, and that is superheroes. You guys know if I'm not talking about something action like Fast and Furious, I'm talking about something superhero related, something with powers. So I want to kind of bring you guys black women superheroes every week, something different um, and new to kind of mix it up and keep it fresh. So I guys, I hope you guys enjoy it. And I hope you guys also reach out to me um, on Twitter on the, at November bear to give me ideas or a character you think is cool and you want me to cover. Also um, send messages to BGN on Twitter and Instagram. So cool. Just let me know. Also on our website, let us know. But before I get into the character I picked for today, I want to um, get into some MCU MCU stuff. Um, Marvel has released their dates for all their upcoming Marvel projects due to the COVID-19 setbacks and everything. So this is what we got. Black Widow's coming out November 6, 2020. The Eternals is February 12, 2021. Saying Chi, the legend of... Of in the Legend of the Ten Rings is May 7th, 2021. Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness is November 5th, 2021. Thor Love and Thunder is February 28th, 2022. And May and um Black Panther number two, which I just kind of wish I can get tickets right now. That's how way too excited I am about this. That is coming out May 8th, 2022. And you have Captain Marvel at um, July 8th, 2022. So we got a couple years um, for some of these. So, but at least we have solid dates. Cause before when they released, when they released all the news, it was breaking news. They would give us no kind of, they, some of them barely had months. We were just getting like 2021, 2022. So I thought that was something kind of cool to share and I cannot wait. And I'm way too excited, but let's get into the superhero I have for you guys today, which is Vixen. And um, I think these are in no particular order. Um, I'm just kind of giving them to you guys how I feel it. Um, Vixen was actually a surprise to me because when I first saw it, first of all, I was kind of thrown, I was thrown aback a little bit by some of the pictures, which I shouldn't have been because they're they're kind of becoming more conscious of how of how sexist some of these female characters are being portrayed and everything, but. You know, you still kind of get thrown back sometimes when you kind of see the when you see the images and stuff of them. But that being said, she do has some she has some super dope powers, which I'm going to get into. Um, But she she just has this mysteriousness about her that I just I have, you know, I don't know how mainstream she became when she first came out. But 
um, if she ever caught on or ever got the right actresses or whatever player, I could just see this character going to all new heights. So that would be, hopefully we get a, we get a live action movie. Cause I'm gonna tell you about an animated movie a little bit later on, but hopefully we get a live action movie. Um, you know, it, it would just be dope as usual, you know, to see more female, um, black female or minority women in general take on superhero roles more on the big screen. So that'd be dope. So Vixen, let me give you a little bit of background. She was created by Jerry Conway, um, which was which who create who co-created Punisher. And he also scripted the death of Gwen Stacy when he was on his um amazing Spider-Man run. The co-creator of Vixen also is um Bob Oskner, and he is known for adventure comic strips and also his humor comic books. And he worked primarily at DC Comics. So her debut was in Action Comics. And let me just give you a little background for those of you who don't know. Action Comics were um, comic books slash magazine. They introduced Superman. And they were one of the longest running comic books. And I also found out that I didn't know. I You know, they're super rare right now because um, I'm just assuming mostly because of their, you know, starting out with Superman. And that's just like one of the biggest um, uh, DC things. Um, but also, but I'm also noticing when you just, cause I just wanted to buy a copy off of, I'm still one of those people that would just love to have, um, just a fill of a book, a fill of a comic book in my hand. So I try to order them sometimes trying to order on Amazon. That thing up came, came like $69. And I was like, no, thank you. So I had to go to digital route and download it on my Kindle, which wasn't bad, but yeah, the action comics are pretty pricey. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of collectors and stuff that have them out there now. So just giving you that little tidbit of information. But um, so yeah, she's um her debut was Action Comics Volume One and number five hundred twenty one, and that was July nineteen eighty one. And to I want to kind of break the comic. This um, it actually was a pretty short, easy, simple. The the pictures were pretty good. It was kind of a little easy, quick read. If you're interested in going back and reading it, seeing the art, getting some more details. But I'm just gonna kind of give you a summary here. The title on the comic started with the deadly rampage of the Lady Fox, which I thought was pretty dope for her interest in there, especially um, when you're talking about just the excitement of having um, a minority uh, superhero introduced on the scene. And um, basically it opened up and the the pictures were pretty cool. It also kind of remind me of like a Catman or sorry, Catman. Well, Catwoman um, sort of scenario because she opened up where she was kind of prowling around the different alleys, you know, um, on top of buildings or whatever, where she was very stealthy about the city. So it was very, very Catwoman-esque sort of entrance. And basically... What she ends up doing is she she gets on Superman's radar because she steals a van full of furs. So it just looks like she's just out there, you know, trying to rob. These are expensive rare furs. You're trying to get her some money, trying to get that paycheck. But it turns out um, when actually after Superman kicks her butt, which I might add, because Superman, apparently, if you did not know this, um, cannot be affected by magic. There are other usually you know superman's bulletproof he has this enormous strength but he he is no threat against magic people where their source their powers come from a source of magic so i thought that was like pretty cool how they had a little section and a little snippet of her kicking his butt <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny but um anyway so after this superman does his research and he finds out 
she actually um, was there stopping these guys because they were um, they are illegally selling these furs because they're coming from endangered animals. So I thought that was um, a pretty cool um, opening, pretty cool background to her and how they kind of work together. And, you know, of course, Superman, um, Clark Kent um, is a writer. And so him and Lana Lang, another reporter, go out and get the story on these guys. So um, this is how Superman becomes intertwined with Vixen and they have these cute scenes where they're out trying to look for these poachers and they have this little exchange of him being afraid that she's going to use the magic on him again and all that kind of stuff, which I thought was just, you know, cute and just really just a little cool read. Um, It's not very long at all. And she ends up saving the day, ties these poachers up in a nice little bow for the cops or for the authorities for, um, Superman for Lana Lang so they can do their story and be on their main way and she just disappears. And so that's how the um the comics end. So check that out. That's pretty cool. Um so now that I now that we have that out there, let me take you through the DC Encyclopedia, DC Comics Encyclopedia breakdown of Vixen. So we're gonna start her real name is Mari Jaiwi Macab. And she is a superhero slash fashion model from the African nation um, Zamb- of Zambezi. So already being from African nation, dope. African nation, dope. Want to know more? They even give you her physical traits. Check this out. She is five foot nine inches, has amber eyes and brown hair. Her powers come from a, a tantu totem, and she can take on the ability of any animal, which allows her to have massive strength. She can fly. She can dig rapidly. She, um, she's, and they call it tapping into the red. Um, they call this the morphogenetic field of all life on earth. So basically the way I break it down and the film that I'm going to go to get down, I'm going to get to, um, later on really breaks it down. Basically she takes the spirit of animals are pulled through this, um, tantum totem or it actually looks like a medallion um necklace that she wears around her neck and that is where her source of her powers come from so um her affiliations are justice league international her enemies are paraxis and the ocean master and she was recruited by the united nations justice league international team which was led by Booster Gold. And little side note, if you are a fan of Booster Gold, I know most people, it's a rare thing because he is super arrogant. But anyway, if you are a fan of Booster Gold and you haven't seen Smallville, if you're looking for something to binge watch, watch Smallville. Smallville was dope. Also, if you're a Superman fan. But there is a couple of episodes in there about Booster Gold, which I thought were hilarious um, because he has this little moments with Lois Lane and all that. Lois Lane, which I thought was pretty cool. But and he's played by um, Eric Martsoff. So I just thought those are like, if you're just a Booster Go fan or you're just curious about that character in general, I thought those were pretty cool episodes to check out. So, yeah, she was recruited by Booster Gold um, as part of the Justice League International. Um, their first mission was to defeat the planet plundering alien Paraxis and his signal master. So that therein lies how Paraxis comes on her radar as one of her it, um, big bads that she's always trying to outrun. She's also been a part of a couple of other groups. She's been a part of Suicide Squad, Justice League America, Birds of Prey, and Justice League Task Force. 
Um, and one, and then I want to talk about this other real cool adventure they talked about in the DC Comics Encyclopedia, which um kind of which blew my mind because she was faced with the um she had to go up against the um African trickster god Anase. And if you guys don't remember, Orlando Jones played that character in American Gods. So I thought that was cool. And so what happened was she had to return to Africa because Anase was the one that um, presented um, the the uh, tandem totem to her tribe. And so that's kind of explaining how it kind of got into her family and kind of how it was a, her, a heritage thing that kind of was passed down to protect these tribes um, because each, each tribe in Zambanzi ends up, sorry. Each tribe, I'm let me break this down. Each tribe in Zambanzi was presented with these different totems. There you go. That um, protect um, and keep them safe. And each of them signifies something different. And so hers happened to be tied to the trickster God Anasi. So there is an, that, co- that connection since I could finally get it out. Um, but basically, um, how she ended up getting, um, pushed away from her, um, village in Zambezi was because there was a warlord who was trying to take control of the villages, you know, as there usually is with help for, from inner gangs that she had to go back and defeat. So I just thought that was a cool little sidestep adventure that she went on. Um, that they also, like I said, address in this movie that I'm coming up on to tell you more about. And so, so yeah, that's cool. Also, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, her outfit a little bit before we get into the animated movie. Um, also, you'll notice it in the comics. You know, as we say before, the co- they're going to be very revealing because, you know, we're slowly pointing out the fact and it's slowly becoming apparent how sexist a um, female's uh, superhero co- um, outfits and uniforms are. So when she first, when I first saw the pictures of her, it's very weird. It's, uh, it's, it's like a brownish leotard. Or maybe it kind of has a little glimmers, has some yellow in it too, but it's just the front. It's basically covering her breast with like a kind of triangle dip in the front. And then it looks like her back is out. And then of course she has a, she has the, um, the, uh, like the spandex pe- pants and everything. So at least that part is covered, but yeah, it's very, it seemed very revealing. And I was just, you know, not feeling it at all, but I mean, you know, you get, I, I, I guess it gets the job done, but yeah, I was just not a fan of the uniform to start with. So anyway, let me get into the animated movie titled Vixen, and it was released in 2017. And so basically um, what, what was cool about this movie was it was talking about African culture and beliefs, and it was a generational story. Um, executive producer Greg Berlanti, who, if you are a big DC fan, he's, he pretty much does everything. He's, um, a big part of the, um, the CW world and all those comics on there, which I'm going to talk about even more because they were part of, they were a big part of this movie. Um, again, she was created by Gary Conway and Bob Ostner. She was, um, She was voiced by um, Megalyn. I know I'm butchering this. Echkenwoke. Um, it's E C H I K U N W O K E. I'm just gonna spell it out because I don't know. I'm not sure if I am pronouncing it right, but she plays on the Fox drama Almost Family, 
which um, she does an amazing job voicing this character. There are also other members of the Air Voice. Airverse, if you're not familiar, is how they group all of the superhero DC comic superhero shows on the CW because it started out with Arrow as the helm show, um, which poured out for um, Stephen Emil and cast of Arrow. They just came up on, I think they might have, I'm not sure how the COVID-19 pushed them back or if they were already finished, but I know they came up on their final season and um, Green Arrow was killed off in the crossover. Um, where they can bring basically episode where they bring all of the shows together so they can have a little kind of fun fandom moment where everybody kind of gets to see all their characters in one storyline. So yeah, pour it out for Green Arrow. He's off. But yeah, they call it the Arrowverse because it started with him. So basically they had a lot of, and I don't know if that was their way of trying to tie this in, get people interested in Vixen, but it was a lot of Arrowverse characters in this. Starting with um, The Flash, played by Grant Gustin, Stephen Amell, as I mentioned, he's Arrow. Emily Bett Richardson, Richards, I'm sorry, she plays um, uh, Green Arrow's um, tech person. Um, also, um, tech person, love interest, sort of a sort of a kind of twofold. If you're if you've ever seen the series, um, Carlos Valdez, he plays um, the tech, the kind of tech. Um, person cisco for the flash team and also i thought was cool they had a nikki noni rose in here playing her sister um kawaza and they had the adam played by ray palmer um i missed who played they also had a black canary in here i missed who played they all which all these characters pretty much come together throughout different points of the film to kind of get us these really cool action scenes it's really dope for an animated film where you can have some great looking animation dope fighting scenes it's always a, a bonus a plus to watch um, and her uniform was the brown leotard. Um, this one, it covered everything. So, which kind of surprised, I was like, oh, thank you. I mean, you know, it's still fitted and whatnot, you know, because you got to have a little bit of that in there. But I thought it was a way better job than how the comic started out. So basic summary is she is an orphan, an orphan from Africa who er- who inherits a mystical, mystical totem that helps her protect the innocent. So she has foster parents that, when she was around um, like 10, 11, her foster mom gave her a necklace from her from her biological mom. But, you know, she's just thinking it's just a regular necklace, doesn't have any particular serious meaning to it. So um, at the beginning of this movie, I'm going to take you from you guys and I like take you from the top and, and work my way down. But we start with a cool fight scene. Um with flash and arrow basically you find you don't find this out to the end but basically they're trying to track her down because it's sort of their thing if you watch these shows for them to whenever they find out they have a new metahuman um somebody with superpowers that they think they can help or bring a part of their team they're always out trying to find them as a combo so they were out they were chasing her down and let me tell you she was moving she knew how to harness these different animal powers because she was getting i mean she was crawling up the side of buildings she was outrunning the flash um which is the flash is like almost is is basically one of the fastest um pretty almost one of the fastest dc comic characters there is so she was outrunning the flash and um you know out uh, dodging the green arrow the green the arrows from the from a uh, green arrow so it was it was just crazy like she was camouflaging herself in the side of building so it was just it's a really cool um scene off the top to watch um and also when she's using these powers what i thought was really dope with this animation it's like you can see the animal 
like a shadow form in front of her. So you can tell if it's a gorilla, if it's a snake, um, if it's some, some kind of Falcon or something, you know, when she, when she wants to jump off of a building and she, you can see the shape of the Falcon or something forming in front of her, almost like a shadow, or you can see the spirit around her or whatever. So it's really cool. Um, so after that, after that scene, we kind of see that she, she's, she has some fashion aspirations. So she goes see, she goes for a job interview that goes way to the left where she ends up stabbing a guy with a pen. So she ends up getting locked in prison. So we're like, okay, yeah, this, this girl, you know, she's feisty. She's not taking anybody. Cause basically I'm assuming the guy was trying to hit on her. The guy that she was doing the interview with was trying to hit on her. Wasn't saying anything she wanted to say. So, you know, she's not the meat kind of meal person that's just going to get up and say, oh, okay, you know, and just kind of brush it off. So she was like in it. She was pissed off, stabbing her with a pen. You know, not necessarily best way to hang your hang handle your frustration, but that ended up her in jail. In jail, so we do open up after this fight scene. We do a we do a flash. We come to her in prison. And they're like, okay, we're starting out. Superheroes locked up. So you know, that's a. I thought that was kind of a new interesting twist. Um. So yeah. And after after that kind of scene, we get to see her kind of interact with her with her stepfather. They're walking down the street, and these bad guys come up. And at this point of the film, you she still really doesn't know that she has a power. She's wearing a necklace, but she doesn't have the powers. When she see her stepfather get knocked out by these um, thugs that come up or whatever, trying to shoot them, rob them, she it all of a sudden just the, the animals. She just um touch the touches the necklace i think unassuming and the animals just it's all over the place like she turned i think at one point she turns to an elephant and starts kind of stomping them a little bit and she just has no idea what's going on she just knows she saved the day she was able to her and her uncle her and her stepfather i'm sorry well her and her foster father were able to get home safely but she still has no idea what just happened to her she knows some some kind of powers are going on but she doesn't know originated from the necklace she doesn't know what's going on so we also cut to a scene where you see um uh flat the flash and cisco talking about okay well we got this we got this lady losing her powers how are we going to catch up with her how are we going to find her and um he ends up coming with the name because if you if you're part of the air voice if you're ever watching these dc comic shows on the cw carlos um is the character i'm sorry carlos Valdez plays cisco but cisco is the character that gives all these um metahumans as they call them their superhero names so he's the one that comes up with vixen um and he points it out because of the way she looks you know guys guys naming the characters sometimes what you get so they throw out that he's the reason why they have they come up with the name vixen and so um cut back to her trying to figure out um exactly how her powers work where they come from she she ends up going to see um his name escaping me, but she ended up going to see a scientist um, to try to figure out um, exactly, you know, where this this magical necklace comes from. And when she's going to see the scientist, it turns out he's working for somebody else and is dirty and knows um, he's world renowned in artifacts and everything and knows where this necklace comes from and ends up getting her set up to get kidnapped um, by her sister, played by Anikononi Rose. Um, and let me go back because they had me going with some of these names in here. I think it is Nase. Let me see. Mm. 
Yeah. Or I'm sorry. No, I was all over the place. Her um, Kawasa, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, her sister basically kidnaps her and takes her back to their African village um, of Zambezi or to Africa to Zambezi. And you there you find out that her basically there's going to end up being a very sad um, um, battle between her and her sister that continues throughout this movie because her sister was the sibling not chosen as that story goes because when the village was overtaken by the warlord as i was saying um um a little bit earlier she was left behind because her job was to protect the totem because these totems were very important to these different african um tribes um you know for safety and all different they each kind of signify different things like fire and water um so these totems are very sacred it was her job to protect the totem but when her mom had to fight, who was the original one to to wear this totem around her neck, she was placed with um, what her mom decided to do was put the totem with um, Mari and just kind of um, send her away, get her out of the village as soon as possible. And the sister was left behind. So there's this years of hurt and anger and wanting revenge. So that's where her sister's coming from in the fact of trying to kidnap her. Also, an interesting fact now that Mari is wearing this necklace, it has become bound to her. So it's hard for her because I know you're trying to think of why kidnap her, why not just take the necklace back? But it's bound to her so that she really can't get it back unless she kills her or whatever. Or, you know, find some way to to um, uh, to get it away from her, which is not going to be pretty, obviously. So that leads to their ever-ending battle of um, trying to get it, trying to um, take each other out. Because what happened is her sister tries to um ends up getting her bitten by a poisonous spider um you know one of those kind of lingering um poisonous sort of deaths she's going for you know and to order to get the necklace off of her so you know that go that goes how it goes and um basically mari ends up in the hospital for a little bit until she figured and you know this is where she kind of gets the background on of this being brought to her by her heritage and what's exactly going on with her sister and so you know make a long story short she does end up getting it back from her sister and ends up putting her sister in the hospital um through being able to finally start learning how to where these powers come from and how to harness it and everything uh, another thing i thought was cool too on her adventure to understanding this necklace was a trip to um the zoo you know, she went to her local zoo in Detroit, um, which I forgot to mention that she's um, a lot of it's supposed to take place in Detroit. That's her her um, her roots where she grew up. And so um, she ends up finding a zoo and getting to start becoming this caretaker for the animals. And that's kind of how she learns different animal instincts and what different animals do and how that means and how she can control these different spirits and how she has to let these animal instincts kind of basically take her over in order to be able to control her powers the way she wants to. So I thought that was just kind of a cool little sidestep note to take, um, to, uh, to kind of explain, you know, a little bit more how she understands the powers and how she gets a hold of it. So also while all this is going on, because you know why you're trying to discover your powers, why you're trying to fight a crazy family member, you also have to have another villain that is trying to destroy the world, trying to have everything from him for himself. And that villain would be General Eshu, 
And he is a former warlord and later the ambassador of Zimbizi. So he comes to Detroit because because he finds out that they have found one Mari had one totem Mari has, but there's also another totem that represents fire that he has found that has just been discovered and is in a museum. And of course he wants and he wants all the power and just goes around, just starts torching, burning everything up. So that gives her another life or death situation. She, you know, where it's that thing where you got to learn how to use powers. You got to you learn how to use it quick. Um, you also got to find out your connection to your homeland. You know, that gives you another reason, something to fight for. So all these different layers. Um, she does what I thought was cool in defeating this. And this is another thing where I was talking about. We have this scene towards the end where um just to kind of make a long story short because definitely go back and check this out i downloaded it off of itunes but definitely go back and check it out just to kind of give all the little bit of intricacies and details but i'm kind of skip jumping around just a little bit um but yeah when she when she comes to con- to confront this warlord who now has a totem of fire um it was definitely cool to see all the Arrowverse stars come together um you had the atom you have black canary you have um uh uh you have arrow you have the flash all these different um entities trying to come and protect the city that's on fire also which i thought kind of gave them a little bit of a demon moment was her sister ends up coming back because her sister knows her sister has all these little secrets that she doesn't want to tell because again her thing is always revenge you did this to me i never had a chance so her sister ends up helping to find the totem that is representative of water so you're thinking, okay, we're bringing the sister along. They can work together just for a little bit to stop the fire, which kind of works, kind of doesn't. I mean, I still got a little lost in this because I was thinking, I mean, she's really, literally bringing all the water you could possibly bring at this thing, but it does nothing. It ends up killing her sister and the totem gets smashed. So there's no more totem of water, um, which also kind of makes me wonder about these totems because um, and how the vixen kind of holds onto her powers. Because these seem very, you do have to have a certain amount of force, which is true, I guess. And maybe it's, it seems to be, it has to be totem against totem to destroy one of them. But yeah, so you have um, General Eshu, um, this, this warlord going up against her sister who has a totem of water. And water, the totem gets destroyed, her sister dies. And so you still have the general there. So basically it's him and Mari who end up having this um pretty cool under um pretty cool fight that lands them into the lake. Um and underwater using her by the way, she turns into a fish in this thing, an octopus. Um she channels all those powers, end up defeating him. And when she gets the totem, she steps on it and smashes it. So we're left to believe that now Mari is the only one that still has a totem from this African nation of Zambezi. Um, with all these powers. So I thought that was pretty cool. Again, they have great fight scenes. If you're an Airverse, Airverse fan, they give you different superheroes to kind of focus on that you might want to watch later on to find out more of their stories. And so it, it was overall pretty good. Um, I really, really enjoyed, um, which I kind of skipped over a little bit if you want to go back. So that's why I definitely highly recommend going back and watching some of it and and getting some of the more little intricate details that I thought were so cool, but just learning more about the um the african the african um the tribes and that she's from and all that kind of stuff and the way these totems really played a part in their culture i really like that tie-in because you don't as we all know you don't get that all the time in the superhero world sometimes you get that period in movies um so for animated movie this was definitely definitely will keep you interested 
um, about an hour or so. But yeah, it was really good. I mean, I love the fight scenes. I love the action. It kept you invested and wanted to know more. That's why I really think this should be an action. Um, I'm a live action, sorry, a live action show because this is yeah animated film that came out in 2017. So definitely need to make a live action. I'm not sure. I've been I've been trying to brainstorm. So if you guys think of anything, but I can't think of who would be a good a good actress to play her. I will give you a list of some other actresses um, that have played her. Um, Maisie Richardson Sellers. Um, she plays her. She's known for playing playing in the originals. That's what she's probably known from if you heard of her. But she's known for playing Amaya um, Jawi. She is the grandmother of Mari Macabre in CW's Legends of Tomorrow. So she's in Legends of Tomorrow if you want to check that out. That's where they kind of... Um, I've kind of heard mixed fan reviews on as far as her coverage in Legends of Tomorrow. But if you are a Legends of Tomorrow fan, she's in there. If you want to know more about um, about Vixen, that'll be something cool today that you can kind of watch. Um, also, Gina Torres, um, who is known for Firefly. And I know I've seen her in some other things. Most recently, she was in that political drama Pearson. So she's vo- she voices Vixen in an animated series, the animated series Justice League Unlimited. So those are some other little options if you want to find out more about Vixen. Also, this this kind of annoyed me a little bit, and I don't know if it's because it didn't get as much play when it was out, but Vixen was an animated series as well. And so in order to see the full series, if you get the Flash season two with the bonus features, or you get... um arrow season four with bonus features they have is season one about six episodes um it's called dc comics vixen but yeah that's her only that's that seemed to be the only television um thing i could find about vixen so those are that's a whole animated series if you want to see more about her but yeah it kind of is and it's one of those things where you have to buy the season or the series in order to get in order to see her stuff, which I wasn't a fan of. Cause I pretty much already own, I'm pretty sure I already own like the, the flash DVDs. Cause I'm a huge flash fan. So, but yeah, I wasn't getting ready to be rebuy it, but I kind of think it sucks a little bit that that's how you have to find it. But I mean, I guess at the time, like I said, I don't know how popular Vixen was when she first debuted or how popular the series was. Um, but yeah, so those are, I just want to kind of give you some other ways. If you interested to find out more about the character, if you know something that I don't know, cause I'm definitely interested in finding out more about her and I'm hoping they make her, um, do some more TV or movies involving her, um, hit me up at November bear. But other than that, that's all I got for you guys. Hopefully you enjoy this. Um, like I said, give me your ideas as usual and stay safe out there. Bye. Welcome to the black girl nerds podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I'm back with another superhero, a black female superhero to be exact. And I am so excited to share this with you guys. Um, Cause like I said, this has been one of my things where um, you guys know if I'm not talking about action, I'm talking about superheroes and it kind of gives me a little escape from the crazy day-to-day stuff. So today I'm bringing you DC DC's on Bumblebee. So Bumblebee was really cool for me to dive into because for me, the size of the story I took from it kind of made you feel like a big kid, like it's something for the kids as well. But also if you if you want to escape some time um, and be a big kid, it was a lot of kind of fun, kind of adventurous stuff I learned about her um, and going through this reading. So I'm going to take you on a little um, adventure with me today to kind of find out more about Bumblebee. Um, so let me get it. You know, I got to start from the beginning, start from the DC encyclopedia, give you the basics. 
So she made her debut in um, Teen Titans Volume 1, number 45. And this was around December 1976. Um, and she debuts as Karen. And we're going to get more into her real name and um, and coming about the nickname and everything as well. Then she also appeared in Teen Titans Volume 1, number 48, which I'm going to dive into. I also find her, found her in 49 as well. I'm having a little trouble finding number 45, but that is what the Googles are telling us um, she debuted in and also DC Encyclopedia. And so, um, as I kind of hinted to before, and she, and by the way, she appeared in number 48 as Bumblebee. That's when they released her um, superhero name. Her real name is Karen Beecher Duncan. So, but yeah, I kind of, I love, I just, I just think it's super cute, um, Bumblebee. And also I have to say this as well. This would probably be my favorite superhero if I hadn't already found Storm, which by the way, that's coming later on. Cause I really have to dig in, give you guys all my venting and, and renting details about Storm. So that's going to come up later on. So, but yeah, so Bumblebee and here we go. So let me give her the height. Cause you know, you guys are really going to be looking for that. But she's five foot seven inches. She's based in Metropolis. Her allies are Malcolm Duncan and Jung Mo. Her enemies are Mr. Twister and Neil Richards. And her affiliations are Teen, Tit- Teen Titans. She's also been in Doom Patrol. Um, if you ready to that kind of stuff, and may have noticed her in there. All right. So let's get into her backstory a little bit here. So basically, I feel like because I told you about the whole big kid thing I was going through, which why I love digging into this character. But there's actually two kind of aspects you can kind of take with Bumblebee. So if they ever give us a laugh, live action, if they ever do more with this character, you know, as we want them to do with all these black female superheroes, um, they can kind of they it would be cool because they would have so many different routes they could go with the with um, Bumblebee. So. And uh, so starting out with the straight up um, DC by the book, this is how they have her. Her character is based on mystery and memory loss. And so she is the wife of Malcolm Duncan. You could also hear me refer to him as Mal Duncan when we get into the comics a little bit. He was an award-winning movie composer. And what happened was Karen, um, Karen pretty much forgot for a minute that she was a superhero and part of the Teen Titans. So she enters into this marriage with Malcolm where they meet on, they basically met on a film set and she was the technical consultant for the film, which, um, which is by the way, is a perfect job for her because when I get into the book, um, I read about her, she's very, she's very into engineering, building things, which I think is so cool for young um black girls um female uh, minority females to be able to have that kind of background from a character but yeah so she met her husband mal on a um uh, movie set and basically what happened was you know they get married they have a baby they end up at this award show um he gets an award for one of his scores for a movie and she noticed there's like some kind of weird sort of shadowy figure there at the event. So, you know, it's kind of put her on pause. She's kind of wondering a little bit, okay, what's going on with that? This leads her, this gets her very curious. Oh, also, let me back up for a little bit. Also, what kind of leads her off until something different is going on is the fact that while she was pregnant or leading to the fact that she got pregnant, she um, was having these flashes of a past life. So something was already kind of not clicking. Then she goes to the war show and sees like this, a scary villainous type figure there pulls up a picture of her um, that her husband took of him accepting the award and starts going through all the people that are in the picture while she's doing this her husband is kidnapped 
Um, he ends up or hold on back up. She he ends up fainting at work and um is kidnapped and then you know just disappears. She doesn't know where he is, and she's in the emergency room at the hospital, and um And Neil Richards walks in. I'm trying to go through all my little note cards here because her story is her story was really fleshed out in detail. But Neil Richards comes in and greets her and like, hey, Mal Duncan is a teen titan and hey, so are you. So that kind of that's kind of how DC kind of plays her little mysterious story where she she ends up in the situation, doesn't really remember who she is and is married, pregnant, still very you'll notice too, as I go through this character is very heavily defined by her husband, which I don't know how I feel about that too much. Cause I kind of feel like, um, it should be, you know, it should just be more based on her actions. You know, of course, more of the independent woman sort of spirit I would be looking for, but that's kind of where they're taking this character. Also, what kind of made me mad too, was they're saying that Malcolm or Mal Duncan is the one that gave her the nickname of Bumblebee. You know, it's kind of a little cute, cutesy relationship nickname, which I'm kind of like, mm, there's other books that kind of describe her as kind of picking that for herself which as we you know i love that way better i hate the fact that she everything they bring up is kind of she's tied to him as just his wife so so yeah we're gonna explore that a little bit but that's just your basics uh basic synopsis um and as i mentioned too um she's also been in doom patrol once the first um teen titans kind of disbands that's where she goes as well so that's another group that you can find her in all right, so now that we have our DC um, encyclopedia breakdown of her, let me get into some of the comics. So she was, um, she is in Teen Titans number 48 and Teen Titans number 49 are the two issues that I recommend. I'm sure it kind of goes, since she's part of their team, if you really want to deep dive into Teen Titans, I'm sure you'll finally find a, find a lot of little, you know, her kind of dipping in and out if you want to kind of find more background on her and everything. Also, Kindle has been um, not that we're sponsored by Amazon or anything, but Kindle has been a huge resource for me to find these different comics for just like one ninety nine or whatever, where I can download them real quick and kind of read about these different heroes. Because we, as we know, since they're not explored as much and some people kind of forget about them, it's kind of hard for me to find these black female superheroes, you know, with a whole scope book breakdown of them. So we kind of have to find out where we can get them. And a lot of it is in the animated world, too, I'm also noticing. But anyway, okay, so let's start with um, Teen Titans number 48. So um, and basic, a little basis for Teen Titans, if any of you are not familiar, they were basically taught their fighting skills by the Justice League. So there's like a Teen Titans Justice League sort of connection. Just to give you a, just kind of a beginning scope on them. But, you know, check all that out. They're pretty cool as well. This issue is titled Daddy's Little Crime Fighter. Daddy's Little Girl Crime Fighter, excuse me. And so basically the premise is the Joker's daughter has turned out to be Dula Dent's daughter. Um, uh, basically Harvey Two-Face Dent, if you're familiar with those comics. So that just gives you just a synopsis of what this comic is about. Here's the thing, though. Bumblebee starts in this comic, but she's in there for like a quick flash because you go through that whole plot, that whole story. As we know, not centered on her, Bumblebee just drops in midway through the comic book to sneak up on Mal Duncan. And apparently she's angry at him because she uses like her honey gun to shoot something at him. And she ends up getting in a fight with Wonder Woman. And then she gets ticked off because she's in a fight with Wonder Woman. She's in a fight with the whole Teen Titans. They don't really know what's going on. They don't understand what's happening. 
And so she shoots some kind of toxin. Also, I, I almost want to think it's pollen or something, because when you get into some of her other research about her other reading, she um, it doesn't really affect her. But she can pick up how pollen, you know, pollen with everybody's allergen can kind of make you kind of drowsy, kind of out of it a little bit. Um, so I think she kind of uses something to that effect on teen, on the Teen Titans in order to get away when they were like I said, they were attacking her. They don't really understand what's going on. And that is basically her. That was the end of her first appearance. Them name dropping her. And it was just at the bottom of the when you get to the bottom of the page in the comic, it's like read next issue to find out more about her. So, you know, a little bit disappointing. But then we get to uh, number forty nine. And this one is titled Raid of the Rocket Rollers. And this is the issue where Kid Flash and Robin are teaming up to help Aqualad um, get him back to Atlantis because he was going through some things there. Um, But also the Raid Rollers um, bust into Gabrielle's horn. And this is a disco club where the Teen Titans, you know, hang out, work out or not hang out, work out, work at. And so the, these raid rollers end up coming in their whole like jealous sort of situation thing that ends up being the plot of this story. But this one, we do get a little bit more of Bumblebee exploring her powers more and coming out. Uh, we we get a, we still get a little bit. I mean, she, she has like rare lines here and there, but at least they're not trying to be at each other's throats because she's entered. She enters this one. Um, and she ends up saving Duncan because Duncan is um, getting is kind of cornered off by some of these raid uh, rocket rollers. And so he she ends up shooting um using a honey gun again, gets him out of the situation. And then Wonder Woman comes up again because Wonder Woman, I don't know, something about that's another thing, too. That I don't know, if you know, these female characters coming to each other. I'm not too a fan of that. But anyway, it's always like Wonder Woman is coming up and she's like, OK, well, what's the deal? What's going on? Let me try to lash you, lasso you or something, you know, to get rid of Bumblebee, which never really works in her favor. They usually end up just kind of bumping in each other or clashing. So that's another thing. I'm not really a fan of these female characters going at each other. But, you know, the time period you're thinking about back in the day, that's it is what it is. Um, because there's a whole bunch of other kind of sexist language in these comics as well, but that's a you know another podcast. So anyway, we have um we have her and Wonder Woman going at each other, and all of a sudden, I think they end up getting so I guess bogged down by the raid roll while the raid rocket rollers that it causes everybody to kind of pause and they're able to see that, Hey, okay. Mal Duncan steps up and he has Bumblebee's back and they start to figure out, okay, she is not trying to hurt us. She's here for, she's here for him. She's, uh, she's part of the team. So she's not trying to, um, you know, cause any harm, any damage. And also get this. She also brings Mal Duncan, his, um, uniform, Apparently he's just rolling around with the Teen Titans without the without a costume on or whatever. So she brings him his uniform. Everybody solidifies, okay, hate her together. She's here. She's here with him. So I thought that was another thing where I'm like, okay, why well, she's always there for the dude, and then she's bringing the dude's clothes. So I'm like, mm, okay. But um, anyway, it was just cool to finally see them stop fighting. You know, now there's another. Um, you know, now there's like three females in the Teen Titans. So I guess that's kind of cool because they entered, they end up introducing her or making her, um, a part of Teen Titans after this issue. So that is cool. But yeah, then again, but you know, basically she was pretty much background in these two comics. You know, she gets a few lines here, a few fight scenes, but very, very background. 
Okay, so I want to move to um, another piece of literature that I thought was really cool, a book. Um, It's called Bumblebee at Superhero High by Lisa Lee. And I loved, I absolutely love, love, love this. This is where I really got to escape and feel like a big kid. It also would be cool if you are a parent that's really into superheroes and you can't really get your kid to kind of gravitate to some of these superheroes. This series by Lisa Lee, um, well, not actually this particular series, but, but Lisa Lee has taken each one of these characters. Like she's taken Harley Quinn um poison ivy and she's kind of giving them on their own little kind of takeoffs of novels and everything and she's done it such a like it's very cute to the to the point that it is very like chapter heavy like i think this one might have maybe 36 chapters but they are but they're you know they're pretty short like i said easy read if you guys want to go through it as like a family or if you're just a big kid and you just want to know more about bumblebee because let me tell you it was digging through and stretching to find some of this material on bumblebee so um, let me start. I want to kind of read a couple of um, inserts from the book Bumblebee at Superhero High. So you can kind of get an idea of some of the some of the type, some of the beginnings of um, Bumblebee. So most bees can fly 15 to 20 miles per hour max. But Karen Bumblebee Beecher wasn't most bees. Her last name was from her mother. And her father, Rob Beecher. So she got um, Adriana Beecher is actually her full name. So it's Karen Adriana Beecher. And she got that from her mother and her father. But Karen's nickname was all her own. Thanks to her super secret self-made technology, Bumblebee was able to fly and project sonic blast. Her, her enhanced strength was underestimated given her cheery demeanor. Sparkly big brown eyes and even present smile. But Bumblebee's best weapon was her ability to shrink on command. So I like those two um, paragraphs because it basically kind of gives you her orange story too. going back to the point of I love she in this book. She picks her own name, which I like um, because she just loves Bumblebee. She has a fascinated with bees as we'll get into more. And the fact that her, you know, and her actual name is from her parents. She comes from, I think this is important too to point out. And this would be so cute for, and I think so cute for little kids and able to read. She has a two parent household. So this is in this is um, an African American superhero two parent household, which I don't think is always put out there and and on blast a lot. That is common that people don't think about. So I think that's cool. That are very supportive of her wanting to be a superhero, very supportive of whatever she wants to do in her future. So I think that's I loved how this book pointed that out. And so she goes to Metropolis High with a bunch of the other um, uh, superhero teenagers, which I think is so cute, like how they have this whole little uh, high school with all these younger characters. Like you got the Flash, you got Frost. Um, The Frost is from the Flash's world, if you're not familiar with those comics. Um, Like I said, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, you got Beast Boy, all these like superheroes we used to see now and just thinking about them in a in a um you got Batgirl just thinking about them in a teenage uh, mind frame which is amazing to me I thought it was so cute so all these girls go to Metropolis High and and just to give you like how funny I nutty I thought this world which was so interesting to me was um so here is another little insert it says the only time Waller who was the principal allowed students to make up an assignment was when they needed when when they were needed in battle citizens had to be saved or a crime had to be throttled or they had a note from the school nurse or their parents. So I just thought that was a kind of little cute insert from the book explaining just how, you know, you have all these teen superheroes. They're going through all these teen challenges and emotions. Plus, they got to save the world. So I thought that was cute. 
So we start this story off with Harley Quinn has a um, web series called Harley Quinn Essentials, if you get it, which is um, basically she has all her team superhero fans doing just uh, saving the world or doing all these different kind of specials and she puts it on the web. And so she's being interviewed because she was just named superhero of the month. And so you have Bumblebee. Bumblebee seems to be very, you know, for her van- friends, very supportive um, sort of uh, woman or s- sort of young lady. And so she's standing out there kind of watching the interview, you know, being supportive, picking up things. And she gets a phone call that, you know, her dad is his her dad's arm um, was broken. Something there was some damage done, but she doesn't know what it is. So that's how we start off the the book you know something happened Bumblebee got a phone call everybody can tell there's something wrong with her we don't know what's going on but she just takes off she flies away that's all we got so um in the first chapter though before they get us into the meat of whatever the whole plot is and what's going on they do drop some interesting facts that I think is cool about um Bumblebee um she on her fifth birthday her parents gave her an engineering kit which I was like what and she uses create um some some girl size B wings, and she made them so they oscillated instead of rotated to to make her more aerodynamic. And as she grew older, she moved from plastic wings to metal ones. She studied robotics, chemistry, and engineering, and she also constructed a bee tree lab. And get this, the bee tree lab was like two stories you know, above, set above, like, her parents' house, her house. And so she had to create a hydraulic lift, you know, for her dad or whoever wants to come up to the, to the, to the, um, the bee tree lab with her to get up there. So I just thought that was cool because I'm just thinking, I'm just trying to think about this young teenage girl just having all these designs and intricate things in her head because she wants to be a superhero so bad. And she just, you know, she has this fascinating with bees and she just create all this stuff because her powers as you're probably noticing, her powers are not genetic. She wasn't born with these powers, but she always knew she wanted to save and be a superhero. So she's created everything. She created her wings, all this different technology that has allowed her to be this awesome superhero and go out and save people. Plus, she has the support of her parents. They give her the space to be creative and, you know, just live out her wildest dreams, basically, because the school that she goes to, Metropolis High, you know, this is one of those superhero schools that everybody's trying to get into. You got to, you know, you got to go to a meeting. You got to have certain applications and apply to get into this high school. So it was, I just, like I said, I keep pushing home. I think it's very important that you see this girl, this, um, this young, um, black woman superhero that has her family support behind her. She wants to be a superhero. And, you know, they have made a way for her to come to this high school, you know, support her. She does a thing where she has a comeback on the weekends, um, cause she stays at the high school. So I thought that was a cool setup. That being said though, she still has some, um, emotional, you know, emotional issues that she's going to that I think a lot of people will identify as well. She had her, the main plot of, um, for her during this book was she wasn't sure if she actually deserved to be a superhero since she wasn't born with some of these powers, like the rest of her classmates, she never felt that she was worthy to be Bumblebee. And to, um, you know, what was she without her, you know, super fancy wings that she created and without her, all her tech that she created and everything. So that was that made that real interesting. Also, going back, going to the fact, going back to the fact that she's on Harley Quinn's web channel and they all have kind of become famous of this. She has her own fan club called Honeybees. 
which I thought was super cute. Also, she's very like, if they make this into the movie, they need to find some kind of funny way of adding this in. She is very, girl, her girlfriend is super addicted to Honey, as she will be being a uh, Bumblebee fan, but she has to have this thing everywhere. Like she's putting it in her tea. She's putting it on her biscuits. So <laughs> she ends up finding out that um, the, she ends up find, getting introduced to the main villain or the main plot of this story comes down to the fact that she realized she's running out of hun- she's running out of honey like she doesn't have the jars of honey she used to have she can't get it at certain restaurants or cafes also you got um people going around sneezing and everything and it's in um metropolis that she's in you know because honey you know like our allergies got you sneezing um feeling kind of dazed you kind of little get a little bit out of it when you get too much pollen and everything so that's one of the reasons why she hooks up with the villain and that's pretty much ends up being the main plot. I mean, you get these other little cool stories about the uh, her other little superhero friends, which I think is cool if you ever get out the book and actually read it and go through all the different characters. But um, so, yeah, she ends up finding out um, one day she's out doing um, a class, as you do as a superhero, learning how to stop tornadoes, you know, just, you know, average stuff you do as a high schooler. And while she's out, she ends up noticing that, you know, a lot of the crops are dying um, because, if you know, real quick, everybody, you know, when um, when there's something going on with the bee population, the bee population goes around, helps with um, with with, you know, takes on some of the pollen because they go through and pollinate from some of the flowers and everything. Um, and then they take that pollen from the flowers, which helps out the flowers, keeps everything, keeps, you know, them from being so many layers of pollen or everything, destroying everything, takes it back to their hive where they create honey. So she's starting to realize, you know, it's affecting the environment, the crops. Like I said, everybody's going around sneezing, just feeling bad. And she can't figure it out because she knows she's she's got this kind of connection with bees now because she studied them for so long that she knows there's something's wrong. So, like I said, she's out in this class one day, one day doing this like tornado training and um, she notices this. She also gets a very cryptic message from a lady um, who turns out who, who from the lady who turns out to be the villain. Her name is Queen Bee. Get that. So Queen Bee sends her a message that she has kidnapped her parents and that she better come to this island, you know, to save her parents. And she has a deal for her or whatever, you know, the the usual bargaining chip you pull as a villain. Um, cause basically queen bee realizes the power she has being able to control bees and be able to, um, you know, it's the whole take over the world thing, but she's using honeybees and the fact that people rely on these cer- on certain plants or certain crops to survive. So the whole thing is just very like, it's very interesting the way they came up with it because you just don't think that hard about bumblebees and bees all the time now you know, but a superhero, a character like this kind of gets you, you know, more into the environment, kind of thinking about that kind of stuff that affects us. So, like I said, she ends up having to go and face Queen Bee, who basically wants her secrets of how to um, shrink and make her size, make herself bigger, because that's another thing. Bumblebee has created her own technology, how she can shrink herself to make herself like B size or, you know, be her average size. So, um they have so basically queen bee wants that technology from her or she's going to uh kill her parents also and she will and she also wants the technology because she wants to make killer bees like ginormous so they can take over everything so it's just it's 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 some of those points there where it's a very um sort of it's you know it's kind of intense you got your action scenes and stuff it's about a a like I said, a young black girl realizing that she is more than just her her um 
her outfit, her uniform as a superhero. She's a superhero herself because she can create, she can create this stuff and the way her mind works makes her a superhero. So um, I think it's, it's so cute. If you guys want to check it out again, it's Bumblebee at superhero high. And it makes you just, like I said, it makes you feel like a big kid all over again. And it did kind of make me want some honey at the end. I'm not going to lie. I'm not really, you know, I put honey in my tea every now and again, but it kind of made me want, want some honey a little bit there at the end. So yeah, that is super cute. Check that out. Also, I forgot to mention off the top, because I am digging it up right now on my um, Kindle app here. Her uniform, by the way, I too, I love this. It's not super revealing, super cute. You know, you got to keep the style. You do have to keep the stylishness of it. But she also has, it's the blue, it's like a blue and gold sort of number happening. They got her power stance on the front cover of this book, which I like. And she also has like the blue and gold going throughout her hair. You know, as if she had like a touch of honey or something in her hair, which I think is super cute. So I love, 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 love the way they um, they have outfitted her. And then the comics is not bad either. Like she's fully, like she looks like a bumblebee, which I think, which sounds funny, but I like the way they keep her fully covered. It doesn't have to be this overly sexualized character for people to be interested. So um, I like, I definitely love this, this, uh, this uniform a lot when I picked those pictures out and looked that up. Okay, so now I got to tell you, besides um, the comics, besides the book I gave you, where else you can find her? So for movies and TV, she has DC Superhero Girls, DC Superhero Girls Hero of the Year, and Young Justice. So those are like movies, TV shows you could check out if you want to see her. She's also been played by Tila Dunn, um, and she's played by Tila Dunn in DC Superhero Girls. And I don't know if you remember her, but she was on that show, Are We There Yet? Um, That TV show, the TV show they did of Are We There Yet? There's also been um, Carrie Walgreen. Um, she's a voice actress that played her in um, Justice League. And then um, Gods and Monsters. Messiah, Mo- Messiah Moyo, let me get that right, is a Canadian actress that played her in Young Justice. So, you know, just a couple things if you want to kind of check her out. Um, also, you know, I love to give you guys that because I want you guys to send me messages at November Bear on Twitter and, um, you know, also at um, BGN's Twitter um, website and everything. Just kind of let me know who you think should play this character because I'm all about like, I just want to kind of do this also because I'm hoping, you know, more people get interested, more people take note of these um, beautiful um, black women superheroes. So they're out on the screen more because I think that is the next step for DC, Marvel, whatever kind of comic um you know, company wants to kind of step out and do it. It's the next step of something we need on the big screen. So I want to hear you guys' thoughts and ideas about who you should play her. Did I miss anybody that played her that you really liked? Let me know what comics you're checking out to have her in it. Maybe I missed some or whatever. Let me know if you can find um, number 45 with her in Teen Titans because I struggled to find that one. But yeah, that's pretty much my little spill on Bumblebee. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you check her out. And, um, you know, guys, stay safe out there and um, keep buzzing along. And I'm done with my puns. Thank you. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audio Boom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.